so in the last episode we covered no we didn't actually cover we started talking about a topic happiness that is just so so big um and i think it was one of our longer recordings and and we realized we were just in the middle of it as we uh, wrapped it up so this is really a continuous dialogue about um happiness happiness part two happiness part two (laughs) We'll see how many episodes we have about yeah. it, but let's just uh, start with the second one. And we're in the next morning, right? 24 hours after we recorded the first one. We're so. still in the happy place. <laughs> yeah, we're still in the happy place. So, uh, yeah, the happy place. So that was one of the things we talked about, what makes a what makes a place happy. And it's not necessarily just the geography, but what's going on there and the triggers and the values and how purpose perhaps is being lived. Um, the community you're with or the people you're with, the relationships, nature, helping us being present. So many, many things coming up there. Um, One thing that we just touched upon that you and I have spoken a lot about is stoicism. Do you want to go there? Mm. Yeah, why not? Yeah, well... Well, you start. You're you're the one who's who's read it it all. I'm just... I just have opinions. Yeah, so I... uh... I started reading a book this beginning of the summer. I still haven't finished it. It's one of those books that I'm reading really slowly, um, which means I read every chapter four times or so and make notes. And it's uh, yeah, it's a wonderful little book about uh, Stoics, the Stoics, the philosophy of the old. Um, started with the Greeks and then a bunch of Romans that wrote about. Uh, uh, a life philosophy, a philosophy for life. So the idea of a philosophy for life is to to um, to have uh, essentially to think about how you want to lead your life and what's the what's the, the main ideas about living your life rather than just living it. So I think we do quite a lot of this. I think we have philosophies of life. The Stoics, um, in particular. Uh, their philosophy of life was to uh, to combine two things really to lead a good life. They're, they said the purpose of living is to lead a good life, and they define a good life along two uh, parts. One part is to um, lead a life of virtue, and the word virtue in um, is probably a little bit they used it a little bit different to how we use it now. Um. Perhaps a good way to translate it is what we might call impact or purpose. So doing something beyond your own immediate uh, benefits, doing something for common good, for for others. And the second part of the philosophy of life is to lead a life of tranquility or to maximize tranquility. Tranquility. Um, another word for it that's used quite a lot, I think, is equanimity. I think it's not that different. Or calm. But how they specifically define tranquility is the absence or limiting negative emotions. So to have as little negative emotions as possible uh, was part of their philosophy of life. So... Uh, what the Stoics wrote about was there, so there was a bunch of philosophy and then there were very practical pieces of advice around this. 
which I find fascinating that some of that practical advice that was written 2000 years ago, or, uh, or longer, is actually still quite relevant today, after all the developments in medicine and biology and psychology, and we still pretty much the same as human beings. The things that annoy the Stoics is still the stuff that annoys us today, which I find actually uh, really fascinating. So the things that give us tranquility or uh, the things that uh, we would see as negative emotions, they are still the same compared to 2000 years ago. Yeah. And so. I think um, it's being talked a lot about. So I think there are quite a few modern mm, trendsetters, you could call them, or uh, influencers or uh, intellectuals that refer to the Stoics. So it is quite a lot in the, in. You hear a lot, quite a lot about it. Yeah, which is interesting because when this book was written, I can't actually remember when it was written, but it's not long ago. Mm. He writes about how the Stoics really. Uh, but we've completely forgotten about the Stoics. So it's only very recently that they've come back into fashion. So for 2,000 years, they were nowhere. Mm. Uh, and he writes about the reasons why, but let's not go into that. But So it's it, it's got a, it, there's a bit of a renaissance around Stoicism, which I think is very good. Mm. And I personally love it. It's a really great, uh, a great philosophy for life. And I personally really love it because I recognize a lot of what I... I think how I really live my life, how I perceive life, I recognize in there. And um, and um, yeah, and that sort of, it sort of confirms that perhaps what I'm doing to maximize my happiness is, you know, if that's aligned with what some philosophers in uh, Greek, in Greece and, and, and in Roman times, uh, we're writing about that's actually quite nice to to see. I uh, so a couple of I mean the one thing you and I have talked most about where where I I think I need to read what you're reading myself to really understand where they're coming from. Uh, but it's got to do with emotions and the um, the role of emotions in our lives. So so just to give a perspective here of where I'm coming from when we talk about positive versus negative emotions or high intensity versus low intensity emotions. Uh, it's the awareness of where you are and why. So to give an example, the, the highly intense emotions, be them be, be positive or be negative, both actually, they take a lot of energy from us. So being super happy, uh, excited um, uh, and being really, really sad or, or very anxious, they both eat of our energy. And we have a preference for one over the other, but they probably both have a role to play. Mm. And then we have the low intensity emotions, which are perhaps being content, which you could say is a positive low intense emotion. Or being uh, just a little bit low on energy is probably how people describe it when they feel that oh, I'm not on top of things. Mm. I just feel like I don't want to do much. So maybe just a... Um, a little bit demotivated, which might be a very slight negative emotion, perhaps, but it's low intensity. It doesn't eat too much of your of your energy. Mm. And and when I hear 
the Stoics point of view of trying to just stay very even or what I'm hearing is, you know, the emotions don't have uh, that big of a role in life and perhaps then in, in happiness or when you're leading a good life, which is how they express hmm. the purpose of life in a way, the way I hear you talking about it. I react and hmm. I, I think right now I disagree. Hmm. Yeah, so this is one thing that we, I think we, we talked a lot about it, of course, but not on uh, on this podcast. Um, I think this is fascinating. So I think, um, and I, I'm, I've always been a bit more skewed towards maximizing joy and minimizing negative emotions than you are. Right. Mm. So you probably would go into negative emotions a bit more. I am learning to. Right. So while reading the Stoics, I'm also doing the Diamond Approach uh, uh, training. So there's quite a lot of um, overlaps here, but there's also some things that you would say. The Stoics would, for example, argue, um, what's the point of being angry? Um, just get out of it as soon as you can. Of course, when somebody dies, you would be grieving, uh, but don't dwell on it, just move on. And that's very against modern psychology, I would say, because the, the modern grief counseling courses would say, you know, we need to stay with it, we need to go deeper in it, we need to... Um, we need to uh, help um, people that experience grief to really go into it and and um, and yeah, as I say, as stay with it and not move on too quickly from it because then it might come back as delayed grief. And I think the Stoics were arguing uh, a few thousand years ago that of course there's grief, but what's the point? Of grieving longer than you need to. Well, unless you stop there, then you need to. And, and this is where I think, if you take this to the modern society, I think it's very easy to suppress emotions that are unpleasant, thinking that happiness in life, coming back to happiness, relates or, or equals happy emotions or positive emotions. Mm. And I think when we talked about honesty, or being truth, uh, you know, living living the value of truth, what's true right now, being present in what's true right now, if you suppress something that is also there, you're basically denying mm. what's really turning up at that point in time. And in my mind, you're, you're denying life a bit, mm. which is then contradicting happiness in life. So, so the way I, I, at the moment, I mean, the way I look at it is that it's quite important to stay and explore any emotion whenever it comes, but then also have the ability to notice when it shifts. So you don't stay with it. You just you you are with it also when it's shifting. Mm. So don't come at be don't become attached mm. to either the positive or the negative emotion. As you know, I don't experience many negative emotions. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, so. When the Diamond Approach course asks me to, you know, really get angry and then work with that and, you know, transform it into something more um, uh, more useful, I have to work really, really hard to find something that makes me angry. Um, so this idea of minimizing negative emotions and 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 
seeking joy in life comes very natural to me. And um, yeah. <laughs> if you look at emotions as a, as a, the engine for change, so which I think you know the the emotion energy in motion kind of thing. The the emotions are there to highlight something that uh, it's good that you're aware of, so that you can continue doing, stop doing. Hmm. Start doing whatever it is. So it's the energy that you might use. You could say that, you know, an emotional life gives a lot of color to your life because there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of drive. But then if you don't know how to use it, it's going to be very chaotic. It's hmm. going to be maybe very hard and and um, it's going to drain you in energy. Hmm. If you learn how to use it, Maybe it's just there, you know, just the right amount of time to the mm. Stoics' points. So, and maybe this is the point they're making, which I, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know enough about it. That you pick it up, and then you move on, mm. and back to the baseline, which is how they explain it to be content, or what is the word that they rather use? The equanimity. Yeah, so I think they they would perhaps argue that what's the point of color if you can experience joy? Why would you experience anti joy? It's not anti-joy in my mind, it's, it's beauty. So any any emotion is melancholy is so beautiful. Think about the piece of music that makes you cry. Wow. Mm. Isn't that that's an experience I wouldn't want to be without? It's mm. it's heart opening. So I'm coming back to the fact that emotions open the heart and gives life even deeper meaning. It's a different dimension to life when you have a when you experience uh, emotions, all emotions, even anger. Or hate. Yeah, even hate. It's so much power or in hate. Or shame. Shame is a, it's a very interesting one. That's probably the most interesting one. Yeah, we're now getting into the podcast recording that we've been waiting the for. Vulnerability. The vulnerability. The one on emotions. Oh, emo oh, right. No, okay. We were actually just before this, we yeah. talked about Brené Brown and uh, everything that she's done on vulnerability, which is is a way of, uh, I think, being very honest and truthful in your life, but it's also a way of strengthening your relationships. As you show up vulnerable, you have so much to gain uh, in terms of how you, I think, you lead your life and how you relate to others. Mm. But that's a little bit of a sidetrack to happiness. Mm. It doesn't matter, though, does it? Yeah. But, um, you know, emotions and, and happiness, or living a happy life and, and having a rich uh, emotional life I think there, there probably isn't one right way, right? So yeah. there are many ways of... Yeah. And I think we should probably um, do another cliffhanger here. Mm. And, and you know, we, we are going to do one day and probably a podcast or two on emotions. Mm. Um, so I think for now, let's move on to some practical... Because we actually have talked quite a lot about happiness and we've given... I think a lot of elements of happiness mm -hmm. and what we haven't talked about what's uh, and something that we generally do in this in this podcast is so what what's next what do we advise people to do I mean some practicalities, practicalities. things we might have tried out or heard others tried out yeah, yeah. so let me just I, I made a short list this yeah. is very unusual for me but yeah. I have made a short list of what yeah. we did talk about yesterday we talked about the happy places we talked about presence Purpose and values, personal values, truth, relationships, flow, mm. 
and emotions. Those were probably the topics relating to happiness. Mm. So where would you like to go in terms of tips? What's your, no, let me just ask you this. If you're not feeling happy or you want to increase happiness in life, do you have a first go-to? Like we sometimes have comfort food. You know, you don't feel good, so you make yourself a spaghetti bolognese. Do you have that? For yeah, happiness? there's probably two or three. So one, my first main absolute most important tip, and you've heard us talk about this quite a lot on this podcast, if you've heard more episodes, is a mindfulness or a meditation practice. I think that's probably the number one. It's not going to, I mean, you need to have a practice before it will actually have an immediate effect. I think you need to be doing it for a while. Uh, but I can, I can, uh, through meditation, I can, <laughs> I can solve a lot of immediate issues in my, uh, in my emotional state, happiness state. So that's one, I think my, my number one tip is to have a meditation practice. Mm. Um, a second one is gratitude writing. And again, we probably have talked about this. I'm not sure, but um, uh, for me, gratitude writing is, it has two parts since I've been reading the Stoics. So the first part is to write, really feel and then write about what you're grateful for. And it could be anything. Could be a small thing, could be a big thing, could be, could be something that you're always grateful for, something new, you don't have to be creative or original in this you could be you know grateful for the same thing every time but i find that especially when people are low on something that's going wrong in their lives to be grateful for everything that is good in life it sounds so obvious and it is really because when one thing is going wrong those other 20 things are still going right and to focus our, our mind is inclined to focus on the thing that's going wrong but if we focus on what's going right and we write about that, I think the journaling about it is really important. We can get ourselves in a uh, more positive state. The second part to gratitude writing since the Stoics, since I've been reading the Stoics, is a process called negative visualization. Essentially, when I write about what I'm grateful for, I also briefly contemplate the loss of that. So... I find myself being even more grateful in the present moment for what I'm grateful for. If I briefly contemplate that that might or will not always be here because nothing is ever going to be here, including us. So, so when you do this, are you taking yourself into the emotional state yes. of gratitude and then the negative visualization and the emotion of feeling the loss? The first, definitely. The second, a bit more difficult for me. Mm. So feeling the loss, it's more contemplating the loss. It's more an intellectual process mm. than the actual feeling the loss. But sometimes I go there, yeah. Mm. So not always. Because I think when we talk about gratitude writing with people in general, uh, and this is what I've heard, you know, they come back and say, oh, well, you know, I write the same things every, every day. I'm so grateful for my kids, but, you know, how is that going to make me happier? But I think the idea here is to become very specific. It can be about the, 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 the children, the kids, but exactly what was it? Was it the smile? Was it the word they said or something funny they did? Because if you can put yourself in the emotional state of gratitude, that's when when the magic happens. Mm. So it's not, I think what you say, it's not the intellectual process. Mm. It's the emotional process Absolutely. that follows the intellectual yeah. articulation of what it is that you're grateful for. And then these two things are both, so meditation, mindfulness practice, as well as gratitude writing, are both... Um, 
so there's two sides to it. One is the routine. So I do this so meditation daily and gratitude writing three, four times a week. So it's, it doesn't take very long, a few minutes. Just write about what you're grateful for. So that routine is really important that when, as you ask me, so when you're feeling low, how do you get out of that? Well, then if you have the routine, then I think these two things can also help you in the moment cheer yourself up. But if you don't have the routine, I'm not sure if it's that helpful. Medita meditation, if you don't have a meditation practice, is not very useful for immediate impact. But if you mm -hmm. have one, then it will, will have an impact. And the same with gratitude writing. If you're used to writing, even if you're not low, right? You write about what makes what, what makes you happy or what, what you're grateful for. Then when you are in a, in a state for something that happens, you can um, uh, you can get yourself out by gratitude writing, which is really fun, really powerful if that happens. I think an another practical point here is when we talk about values, we mentioned it yesterday, but when you feel that you are strained, stressed, unhappy, it is to go through the intellectual process of, of looking at values and see which values are in play here, because usually there are two values that are fighting for mm. your attention and you are in the middle. Um, and and if, you, if you can look at that, pull them out and say, well, here they are. This is why this is becoming difficult. Why, you know, let, let's just accept that they can't coexist in this very moment. Mm. One will, will have precedence over the other and then accept it mm. because that point of acceptance will also, I think, make life a little bit easier. Mm. And then remember, okay, next time, or there's another way I can honor the value that has to stand back a bit. Mm. So I think this is what we do a lot in coaching. So when people feel, you know, something is not working out, what is it? It's usually a value that is being violated. Mm. And it's very often we then point outside of ourselves yeah. and we say, it's because of him. It's because of that. It's because yeah. of the economy. It's because whatever it might be, yeah. which is also relating to the expectations we have of a certain uh, piece of content, a certain activity, a certain yeah. incident, yeah. which is the other piece. I think actually I forgot to say that expectations. So you said it yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. The lowering of expectations yeah. is a very fast it has a fast track yeah. to happiness, isn't it? If you have no expectations whatsoever, it just is. Things just yeah. are. So yeah, that's so the ultimate presence. The, the point here, as the Stoics would say, desire what you have rather than what you don't have. I think I said it yesterday as well. So that's a really important part. I think it's a really key part of happiness. Don't, um, don't, don't have goals that are that are um, that you don't have any control over. So you you have you have goals that are only that, that you have control over, which means, for example, having take take you're playing tennis. We we're talking about tennis last night. So you're playing tennis. Winning the match is not a goal the Stoics would approve of, because you don't have control over whether you win the match or not. A goal that 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 you do have control over is I'm going to try my hardest. Or I'm going to do my best to um, to win this tennis match because that you do have control over. So, so that's that's one side, and then the other side is, um, and it sounds so simple: desire what you already have in this moment. If you 
desire what you have in this moment, then you're happy in this moment. And we don't do this. Human beings don't do this. Human beings always desire what they don't have. The cross is always greener on the other side. So I'm in Spain. I want to be in London. Um, I'm in London. I want to be in Spain. No, I'm in Spain. I want to be in Spain. In London, I want to be in London, for example. I am with you. I want to be with you. I am with my kids. I want to be with my kids. So that's a really interesting point. I think the other thing you're saying, and there's a lot you're saying, because the, the point about, you're, you're calling it the intellectual process, the reasoning, I think that's a really good tool for happiness as well. Reasoning. So really reflect on what is at the moment making me feel low or unhappy or negative emotion or whatever it might be. And then go into that. And as um, as Joe would say, Joe listens to this podcast, so he would like it that we give him a mention. Hi, Joe. Shout out to Joe. Joe would say, present... What, what's the word again? Okay, present the, um, the feeling with evidence to the opposite. Mm. I'm not sure if he actually, actually remembers him saying him saying that to me, but uh, I, I've, I, that's a really powerful. So present this feeling, this negative feeling, this unhappiness, with evidence of the opposite. It's really powerful. That's a reasoning process. That's an intellectual process. Oh, do you remember us doing this exercise? No, not exercise, but we were away on this massive event in South Africa. Yeah, exactly. And we were talking exactly about that. So that yeah. came from Joe. Yeah. So we were talking about two emotions meeting. So what would make stuckness want to move was the question. Yeah. How could lightness make stuckness move? Hmm. And we went into an intellectual discussion about that. And it was really interesting. Yeah. So you, you were lightness, I was stuckness. Yeah. That was very interesting. Was so, there, so there's something really interesting about this is that, so we, we, we talk about, there's a lot about feelings and emotions, and this is powering everything that we do. And at the same time, you know, we are the only animals that have this reasoning ability that really know, that would know how to think. So using our thinking ability to make us happy is also really powerful. So we can do both things. Uh, and we can also change our beliefs at any point in time. There is in neuro-linguistic programming, there is a an assumption that you believe that anybody at any point in time is doing the best he can with the resources available to him mm. at that point in time. So it's acceptance of the fact that if somebody is snapping at you or somebody is aggressive, it's a belief that that's the only thing that person can do at that point in time with the resources available. Mm. So the fact that the resource around uh, in a bigger picture, long-term thinking, uh, access to kindness, it's just not there at that point in time. Mm. And I think that's a very difficult one to emotionally, you can you can say it, I can say it, but to then emotionally accept it, just stand there when somebody is having a go at you and just, you know, with compassion, you think this is the best you can do right now. Mm. And it's okay. Mm. I mean, where where, do, where does our emotional reaction, where do they come from? It's usually, they're so quick. Mm. So we don't stay in the, between the stimuli and the response. We don't stay there. We go directly to response. Mm. So an aggressive emotion from somebody will very likely evoke an aggressive emotion from me, which means I would leave my equanimity and back to the Stoics. I'm impacted by my environment immediately. 
its impact, it might happiness level. Mm. And then we have all the theories saying, you know, happiness comes from the inside and so on. Still, we're always searching for it from the outside. So we are in the happy place now. That's where we started. So I'm coming back to that again mm. with the beautiful environment, the lovely people, the good food, uh, lots of time and space, uh, nature and so on. So we think, oh, I need to be here to be happy. But actually, I could also be in a crowded tube mm. uh, and access this emotion, just coming back to, mm. to myself, going, going to my inner world, which is, I think, when you say meditation is helpful, that's part of what you're doing. I mean, you become still, right? Mm. So it, you, you find that stillness. And in that stillness, there's equanimity. Mm. But you could also argue that in that stillness, if, you in a, in a, if you're in a really difficult place, in that stillness, very difficult things might appear. So if you're completely present with that, it may not necessarily increase your happiness level. And I think this is the criticism mindfulness gets mm. in the mm. press. Mm. That if you're in a very bad place, if you're very depressed, mindfulness might actually tip you over mm. on the mm. negative side. Cool. Any other tips? I think there's a third part to this. It's <laughs> a third episode. I think we'll leave <laughs> oh, it this like is that. One, what this do you is think? One. Well, do, any any resources or should we leave that? There's, there's, there's the Amy, Amy the Unicorns. I think, it, yeah, maybe. Why, why don't we just, yeah. Sean Aker wrote a book called Happiness at Work. No, it's called Happiness Advantage. Advantage. Happiness yeah. Advantage or the yeah. Happiness Advantage. Yeah. And then there is this YouTube clip with Sean Aker. I think there's almost only one with him. Yes, yeah. And and if you if you Google Sean Aker and Amy the Unicorn, I would say it makes me happy every time I watch it. Yeah. It's just bringing in the points. Yeah.